Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear It's streaming in HD, so fine-tune both your ears And standing Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising Proving concepts to start enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchising today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. We are back from the International Franchise Expo in New York City, another great event by our good friends at MFE Expo. It was great seeing a lot of our franchise friends, made a lot of new friends as well. And, of course, what would the trip to New York be without running into my co-host, Stan Friedman, who is back in, uh, in Atlanta right now. Stan, how are you today? Doing great, Paul. Doing great. Running the risk of doing something. You know, we always, every now and then, talk about how we do our programs live, and as a result, sometimes things happen. Um, I'm doing our show today live from home, not the office. So I need to apologize in advance. I wish maybe it was a Pet Supplies Plus kind of a show or something today, because my dog probably is going to say hello to the audience somewhere between now and the end of the hour. So in advance, I am apologizing. First and foremost, and as for New York, yes, I saw you, but we kind of broke a, a vow that uh, we were going to go share. Yes, we we're going to go break break bread and eat lots of protein, you know, pastrami, corned beef, or something together. We didn't get to do that this year. No, we actually each did it separately. <laughs> That's what was <laughs> yeah. sad about it. Yeah, well, but you know what, Paul? What a great event! I mean, I I came into this one. Um, a little bit concerned, you know, with the unemployment numbers as as low as they are and, and the job market as strong as it is, I really wondered whether that would have an impact on, on floor traffic. But, man, I never saw any sign of that at all. The, the traffic was steady and it was strong. In fact, I saw a number in IFA Insider today along with some great pictures of SBA uh, Secretary Linda McMahon, who spent a lot of time on the floor of the show. But Numbers were 20,000-plus in attendance. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. That's very powerful. And, of course, you know, the foundry booth was right there behind the IFA booth facing the escalator, and it never seemed like there was any lack of traffic coming down that escalator. We were uh, busy 
all three days. As a matter of fact, as I was taking the booth down at 10 after 4 in the afternoon, we were still answering questions. And uh, it was just a, a great event, and I think it had to be one of the largest. It seemed like there was an extra row or two, um, and it seemed like it might have even gone deeper. I, I, I was very, very pleased with the overall event. Yeah, I don't think there is anybody who can have a complaint in the world about this one. And I do think you're right. I think the room looked larger. And I think some of those aisles that sometimes get truncated two-thirds of the way down, there weren't any of those this year. These were full aisles, Mm-mm. and uh, and they were aisles filled with people, filled with great many brands that I've never seen before, some that are back in um, – you know, I just saw smiles. That's bottom line was everybody, everybody seemed happy. And, uh, and the mood and the spirit of, of franchising was alive and well on the Big Apple. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I want to thank our guest from two weeks ago, uh, president of the uh, NFL Alumni Association, uh, Bart Oates. And you had an opportunity to spend some time with Bart at the IFA. Tell us about it. Yeah, what a great guy, Paul. You know, he was a great guest, and I enjoyed the conversation with him. But we oftentimes don't get to see or meet our guests at all uh, beyond the time we spend with them on the program. So to have Bart on, and then a week later um, with Rocco Fiorentino, Lane Fisher, and myself to uh, co-facilitate a program uh, for Bart's organization, which is the NFL Alumni and be able to talk about franchising with a small group of, of retired and or twilight year ball players uh, was a treat. But for me, the biggest treat of all was just, you know, meeting Bart. And for a guy who, you know, boasts a career that includes uh, three Super Bowl rings and two Pro Bowls, um, man, what a down-to-earth guy he is and just an easy, easy conversation. Everything that we experienced in the interview is even more pronounced in person. Just a guy who makes you feel comfortable, like you've known him all your life, and um, a real, real easy guy to talk with and, and be part of a conversation with. Enjoyed it, and I hope it's the first of many more to come. I hope that we can get more connected to the pro-athlete uh, franchising initiatives that I've been a part of for seven or eight years with organizations like BART's and others, and with MFV and Tom Port Easy behind it. I, I just think that... Uh, we got a lot of running room there to really do some good, to do well by doing good, both for the athletes, for the association, and, of course, for franchising. Absolutely. And, you know, I was a little disappointed. We didn't get a chance to uh, uh, sit down with uh, Eric Badlands Booker, but in his honor, I did eat my way through New York City. <laughs> and uh, had two great Italian meals and a Jewish meal, and and definitely in uh, in Badlands Booker's honor, as we know, he's a a, a competitive eater. All in all, okay. a uh, a good event, and of course, it was always good seeing you, my friend. A competitive eater in training, of course. You know, we're only thirty days out from the big deal at Nathan's Coney Island uh, hot dog eating right. competition, yeah. which is which is which is which is Badlands, you know, warm up. That's his the eve of the warm-up and training for National Buffalo Wing Festival, which follows just a couple months later in Buffalo. So Badlands has got a busy summer, whether we got to see him or not. We, we ate without him, and trust me, between mm-hmm. now and the next time I see him, he'll be doing some eating without seeing us. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, today, 
Um, you know, we have a great guest, um, Dan Fry. Before we introduce him, I want to give a little bit of um, insight into who we have coming up. Uh, in honor of you being at home with your dog today, Stan, we have uh, next week Jeff Strauss and Dan Remus, co-founders of Wag and Wash. <laughs> uh, I'm off by a week. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah. <laughs> June 20th, we have Dennis Elliott, the VP of Development and Franchising at Driven Brands. June 27th, Scott Walker, CEO of ScreenMobile. And then, of course, July 4th, we will not be broadcasting live in celebration of Independence Day, and we're already uh, close to being booked up in the month of July. Things are going well. So today's show is aptly titled, Filling a Hole in the Booming Glass and Window Industry. And uh, we have uh, the founder and CEO of the Glass Guru, uh, Dan Fry, and he's been quoted as saying, a guru is an expert or teacher. That's exactly what we consider ourselves. We do a lot of educating to the public, informing them of our new restoration process that many people aren't aware of. Dan, welcome to Franchise Today. Thanks so much for the introduction, Paul, and thanks for having me on the program. I'm a big fan, and it's a real honor to be here. Well, it is our pleasure, and we joked at the at the beginning of uh, of our prep that we're going to get you to sing uh, Badlands uh, tune. You know, Stan, we probably need to title that. We we need to think of a title for uh, for for that tune. Um, I always listen very attentively, and I love when he says, "Would you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor?" I still marvel at the fact that. That man put together such a great jingle for us in a very short period of time and with only a few uh, bullet points and instructions from you. Um, just tremendous. Uh, Dan, uh, why don't we do this as we always ask our guests, you know, and as Stanley says, we don't find franchising, franchising finds us. So take us back, uh, take us back before Oz, so to speak, before we're in the uh, Enchanted Forest and take us back to that early stage and move us up to where, um, you know, Glass Guru popped on the scene and where you are today. Well, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, you know, 15 years ago, I would have never in a million years pictured myself doing what I do now. And I'm extremely grateful for the chain of events that led me here. Our franchise journey, and I say our, referring to my wife and myself, as she was a co-founder of the business with me and really had a key role in the company up until five years ago when she took a step back to raise our then-newborn twins, which we've added a third since then. So, uh, But anyway, well, our journey started back in 2003 when the boutique venture capital firm that I'd been representing for the previous four years had let us know that the company was going to be wound down. And we were put in a situation where we really had to reinvent ourselves out of necessity. So... Um, I'll give you a little backstory on that first, which really leads up into our journey into franchising. Uh, going way back, um, despite my dad owning his own business, my parents had never really pushed me in that direction. Uh, looking back, I was very entrepreneurial as a kid, though, uh, regularly drumming up extra money with lemonade stands or doing odd chores for my neighbors. We had a small golf course nearby, and it had a field across from it that golfers used to hit balls into. and 
I would gather up balls and resell them back to the golfers along with some iced tea as an easy upsell on a hot day. So I think I had it in my nature, but up until college, I'd always envisioned myself going to school, getting a good job one day, like most people do, I think. And that all changed very quickly for me the summer after my freshman year when I was introduced by a friend to multi-level marketing. In that company, I found a mentor in a great training program that got me reading Zig Ziglar and Napoleon Hill and all the classics and all about sales and business ownership, and it, it really opened my eyes to a whole new world of possibilities that I never imagined for myself. And while my friend didn't last very long, I did pretty well with the program. I was using my campus as a fertile re recruiting ground, which I found was really what the business was all about. And in the end, it turned out being a better learning experience than a moneymaker, but it, it got me set on that path to self-employment, and it really lit a fire in me, just like Badlands talks about in your theme music. So from there, I followed my, my upline mentor into another program that was uh, much more of a direct sales type. There were still some referral bonuses, but in this program, you actually made most of your money selling a real product to real people. Go figure. Um, our product was a financial education. Our product was a financial education series, and it started with a 12-hour audio course. It was actually on tapes way back then, um, and it progressed to these offshore seminars where people would learn about tax reduction strategies and investment opportunities. And uh, using the best digital mar marketing tactics of the day, basically spam. I was doing pretty well in that organization, making uh, a fair amount of sales and. Uh, the best part was traveling to the Caribbean every few months for these events that I was selling tickets to. And it was at one of those seminars, actually in Paradise Island, Bahamas, that I met my wife, Joy, who at the time was helping her dad, whose investment firm was being featured at this event. Now, Joy's Canadian and was living in British Columbia at the time. I was in Davis, California, but we kept in touch after the event, and I flew her down to see me a couple times in the following months. And... As you guys can likely attest, love can make you do some crazy things. And for me, it meant saying goodbye to my college town as I was heading to Canada. And that move led me to uh, the introduction to uh, Joy's dad and his partners, and ultimately my tenure with the uh, venture capital firm as they were expanding and needing some good salespeople. And I guess it was good timing for me and for them as well. So after a year in Canada, we headed back to the States and took up residence in an area outside Sacramento called Granite Bay, where I had lived previously for a few years in my childhood. And uh, getting back to where things really shifted for us, it was after four years of working myself up to the top salesman in that firm when we got notice one day that for a number of reasons the company was going to be wound down, which essentially meant the end of our livelihood. And uh, that was really a major blow for us at the time. We'd worked our way into a comfortable six-figure lifestyle and had literally just moved into a big new house with a big new mortgage and uh, had recently got married on top of that, and it really left little in our savings account And after the down payment and the wedding and all. And like most people in their 20s, thinking times would always be good, we had put little thought towards a backup plan or saving for a rainy day, and we really had no idea what we were going to do to uh, pay the bills and keep putting food on the table, let alone how to get back to our previous earnings level. So it was pretty tough, tough stuff for some new, uh, young newlyweds to deal with. But we made the painful decision to sell our new house, and fortunately we found a quick buyer. 
and although we took a small loss, we, we were able to get a little bit of equity out, which gave us a, a small cushion to live off temporarily, but we knew it wasn't going to last for long. So we got into a, a we downsized substantially into a rental, started doing some soul searching and trying to figure out what the heck we were going to do to support ourselves. I honestly had uh, no real prospects, uh, but even if I could, I, I knew I didn't want to get back into the world of selling high-risk investments. I just knew I needed something to sell, but I didn't know what. My my cousin and my brother-in-law had sold cars. I, I really couldn't imagine myself doing that or really even working any job for that matter. By that point, after 10 years of making my, my own way for myself, I was pretty much in the category of what I refer to as being psychologically unemployable. So I made a few calls to some of my old friends from my MLM days and saw what they were doing, and we even considered real estate, which we knew very little about. Having an interest in natural health, Joy actually picked up a few cashier shifts at a local health food store just to bring in a little extra income while I was trying to figure things out. Then Paul and Stan, we got the call that really led to the aha moment that, that changed everything. We learned from Joy's aunt and uncle, who were up in Edmonton, Alberta, about a business they had started becoming early adopters of a new technology, fixing foggy dual-pane windows with a kit they had purchased. And in a couple short months, they were making some serious income that really got my attention. I'd never considered being in the glass business or any home services business for that matter, and I really knew very little about glass and windows at the time. Our experience amounted to a single failed window we had at the house that we had sold, and I was thinking based on my own experience, how big of a market could there really be for this foggy window repair anyway? But it was intriguing enough, to say the least, to get me researching. And after <clears throat> after a couple calls to some realtor buddies and then uh, some home inspectors and some local glass shops, I came to learn that um, window seal failure, which leads to condensation between the panes and the foggy look that, that people are familiar with, is actually the biggest problem with windows across the entire United States and and all North America, in fact. While window frames can last 20, 30, 40 years or more, depending on the type and the style, the dual-pane glass units that go inside those frames typically only last 10 to 15 years, sometimes less, especially if they get direct sun exposure. And since the late 1970s, when dual-pane windows became the standard, replacing the glass for these failed and Foggy windows has really been the only option for homeowners that have uh, the, the seal failure and are looking to have a clear, properly insulating window. And it's often the case. So, Dan, Dan, home- before you go ahead, before, Dan, before you take us to where I, I know is going to be the consumer proposition in this, I'd like yep. to ask you a question. So, sure, you sure. Know, real estate, cars, you know, brokerage, MLM, and now you're 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 looking at you know, window restoration, and and even before you started, you know, learning about, you know, the trials and tribulations that, that homeowners go through uh, and the fact that, you know, somebody you knew was making money with this technology, um, what was your first thought as, you know, you were looking at, you know, something to do with windows? Well, I, I really just, you know, had to um... – scope out the market and see if there was even any opportunity there. I, I was, um, you know, like I said, based on my own experience, I'd had this problem, but it was very limited. And I, you know, the, the first step was for me was just um, 
convincing myself that there was even a, a viable market to, to even consider whether it could be a business or not. And, you know, as I was making these calls, um, I, you know, the, the real, my realtor friends were really helpful because, uh, you know, they were letting me know that they, they see this problem every day. They're the ones who told me to call some home inspectors, call some other glass shops, ask them, ask them more about this problem. And as I did my research, I, I just came to understand that this, this problem is huge. In, in fact, uh, replacement glass for windows for fa that have failed seals is actually uh, the bread and butter for most residential glass shops across the entire country. And it's a multi-billion dollar industry and it's had steady growth as well. So the more I researched, the more I saw that, that this was just an incredible opportunity to potentially fix these failed windows at a lower cost. And most incredible was the fact that nobody was doing this yet in the United States, and the market was 100% untouched, which was, was just amazing to us. So we came to the realization that this was one of those rare moments that, that you get in life where we had the opportunity to literally be the first ones to offer a new technology with potentially high demand before anybody else in our area. And it seemed inevitable that the technology would spread and that if we didn't do it, somebody else would. And we would end up seeing their trucks driving around someday, reaping the benefits, knowing it potentially could have been us. So it was partially for the potential that we saw and partially because of FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, but it was for those reasons that we decided to go for it and get into glass restoration, although uh, we were really just still thinking locally at the time. So we learned the basic process, which involved uh, drilling a couple holes into the corners of the glass, spraying some cleaning solutions between the panes, which are then evacuated. And the real key part of the process is adhering a small vent over the holes, which allows the glass to dry out and stay fog-free while preventing any dirt or debris from getting in. And at that time, the best vent technology there was was a handmade part, and we just knew there had to be a better, less expensive way to control this real critical piece of the supply chain for ourselves. After all, you can't vent a window without a vent. So I found a local plastic molding and manufacturing company about an hour away, had the opportunity to sit down with the owner of that business and share our vision with him and I, I told him about how we wanted to build a business requiring uh, thousands of these little vents annually and why he should forego his normal design and mold fees for us to uh, make them for us so we could grow it and order more and more of them over time and I guess I made a compelling argument because he took a gamble on us and gave us an exclusive manufacturing agreement and he actually carried the initial cost of the design and the molds which is uh, I understand is pretty rare. But in a short time, hey, I mean, you know, all all entrepreneurs need some type of of break, right? Um, <laughs> That's right. It doesn't, he, it doesn't happen without a break here and there along the way. And and I hate to say the word break when we're talking about glass, but I imagine as you were, you know, starting out, you probably went through some trials and tribulations of your own. Uh, no no doubt, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I could only imagine. So well, we were on a really limited budget, so we you know we wanted to save money anywhere we could, and um, mm -hmm. you know, we were looking he he was you know he was talking about tens of thousands of dollars in just design and molding costs, which you know uh, would have been a big hit for us at the time, and 
we still didn't know if this was even going to work for us or if we could generate a single customer. So, But in a short time, we began receiving our shipments of our new state-of-the-art micro vents, we called them, which were made out of virtually indestructible polycarbonate plastic. It had UV inhibitors and a 3M, very high bond, peel and stick adhesive backing. We got them in an extremely uh, cost-effective rate. And essentially, with that major innovation and the biggest barrier barrier of entry behind us, along with an entity and a bank account, we were essentially open for business just a few short months after we got that first call that sparked our initial interest in the repair. And I tell you, it allowed us to launch our business just in the nick of times as our savings was pretty much gone by that point. In fact, uh, we traded our last remaining asset that really had any value, my Honda S2000 convertible that I had purchased a few a few years earlier in cash with the proceeds from a single commission um, and it was really my baby mm-hmm. we had to we had to let it go for um, a new Honda element on lease and a check for nineteen thousand dollars which we used as our initial working capital for the business um, but then anticipating that we would hopefully uh, generate some customers and would need somebody taking calls and booking jobs um, and me also not wanting to be in this new business entirely by myself, uh, Joy quit her part-time job as well, and, and we were literally about as all-in as you could be on this. And like I said, this was before we had any real proof we could get a single customer or if this process was even going to work for us, but um, we, we didn't see failure as an option. We had our backs against the wall, which sometimes is a good place to be in life, and what we lacked in experience uh, we made up for with uh, just our, our serious drive and, and motivation to sure. be successful. And we also had sure. strong faith. So take, we a, were, take we were, us, Dan, Dan, take us yeah. from that point to, you know, getting the business up and running and it, so we don't, you know, uh, run out of time because we want to talk about, sure. you know, what got you into franchising. So now you're, you're up and running. You, you have the working capital. Although you know not really any customers yet, you're you're getting ready yep. to. Go. So when when did you realize along the way that you you know had a a business model that you could replicate and start working towards franchising? Where was that aha moment that franchising found you? Well, let me let me be lead up to that because um, you know we we had this new business. But like I said, we hadn't even had a single customer yet. I I did a wow. little bit more practicing in our garage uh, using some scrap insulated glass units that I picked up at a local glass shop. But the, basically the time was now or never to start taking on customers. And we didn't know how to generate customers. We just um, took a shot in the dark and we, we printed up a couple hundred flyers with black ink on light blue paper and a big headline reading, foggy windows, don't replace, restore for less along with a few bullet points talking about how our process could restore their view and the insulation without removing the glass and the 10-year transferable warranty that we were going to include with the repair, along with our logo and phone number. And at that time, we called ourselves Glass Wizard because we were magically making the fog disappear. We, We thought it was a good name. And where better to start than your own backyard? So... We spent the greater part of the, of the morning and early afternoon dropping those flyers door-to-door throughout our own neighborhood. And Paul and Stan, I'll never forget the feeling of confirmation and relief and excitement all at the same time when we got home and checked our messages. And we listened to three of our neighbors explain on our voicemail how they saw our flyer, 
had foggy windows and wanted us to come and see if we could restore them. And I'll never forget the look of panic in, in Joyce's face when she looked at me and said, now I have to call them back. What am I going to say? And I was like, well, tell them you can send your estimator over and find a good time that works. And uh, from that point on, we, we still had a, a ton to figure out, but we, we had um, some confirmation that um, we had a good thing going, and the proof later came in the results. So with some uh, good local grassroots advertising, uh, mainly consisting of uh, more flyers and yard signs, we got busy really fast and had to hire and train a full-time foggy, foggy window repair tech um, to do the restoration so I could focus solely on estimating and marketing. Joy handled our scheduling and customer service. We moved into a commercial space. Our office systems were essentially QuickBooks and a Thomas guide back at the, in, in the day when before we had Google Maps. And I was doing my quotes on uh, duplicate forms with our logo at the top. It, it really wasn't fancy, but um, we started making some money. And without having anybody to teach or guide us, we did, we did make a ton of costly mistakes. Um, but we took our licks, we learned from them, we improved our processes and our systems and our marketing tactics. Joy was booking me for networking meetings with home inspectors and realtors and property managers. We were attending home and garden shows and just really doing everything we could to spread awareness that um, there was a new way to fix this old problem at a fraction of the price. And uh, despite all the trials and tribulations we had that first year with the learning curve for the technology and marketing and office systems, staffing, you name it, um, we really ended up having an, an amazing first year of business. We did over six figures of nothing but foggy window repair, and we put ourselves on the map as the go-to guys for foggy windows in the greater Sacramento area. So, um, you know, at that point, we only had a single service, and um, we, we really needed to continue to grow and round out our business model prior to franchising, and we got into a, a tremendous amount of homes that first year, and we had a high close rate on windows that were good candidates for the repair. But we found that every window we found that was a good candidate to restore, there were an equal number of windows that, that just didn't make good candidates um, because they were either made out of tempered glass, which is the type of glass we can't drill into, or they were too badly stained between the panes, which we knew wouldn't come out good. So essentially, we were um, restoring the windows that we could and um, passing the rest of the windows on to local glass shops to, to come in after us and um, replace the ones that we couldn't fix. So we were doing all the work to get in the door, but uh, basically just giving half the work away um, after we left. So we got to the point in our second year where we uh, placed an ad, hired a licensed glazer, which is a glass installer, and that um, very quickly catapulted us into the uh, whole world of traditional replacement services you find offered at most neighborhood glass shops. In fact, the first thing I did after hiring him is ask him to show me how to reglaze a window, which is basically how to take the old glass out and put the new glass in because I didn't even know at the time. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised the process wasn't as complicated as I'd imagined it. And in fact, it made me wish we'd been offering replacement glass the entire previous year. But it just goes to show that you so really... Dan, why don't we, Dan, why don't we take a, sure. um, a mid-show break here just for a second, catch your breath. That'll work, absolutely. Um, you're listening <laughs> You're listening <laughs> to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto, along with Stan Friedman. And we're talking today with Dan Fry, CEO and founder of The Glass Guru, as he's taking us through the entrepreneurial journey of The Glass Guru um, and its uh, trek into franchising. Franchise Today is brought to you by FRM Solutions, 
offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchise correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences via prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where we've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.FranchiseFoundry.com. So, Dan, Dan. um, yeah, go right ahead, Dan. (laughs) I think we both hit the same mark. So, Dan, Dan, we, we hit the break before getting to something we try to get to in front of the break. So, um, lightning round here, short short bites. Tell us about the sure. consumer side, the consumer side of the business. Now that you've established it, so that we leave time to talk about the franchising side as well. Tell us Absolutely. the difference between what brings a consumer to you, and more importantly, after coming to you, what makes them raving brands that are telling everyone they know the difference between what they experienced here and anything they've seen before. Sure. Well, I was I was just about to get to where we started looking at franchising because um, I said how we hired a Glazer and having the ability now to go into a home and uh, offer the complete solution where we could uh, offer the restorations and replacements in a single visit, that, that really changed everything for us. And um, ha- from there, um, after we delved into window glass, we continued to expand into screens, mirrors, tabletops, showers, and ultimately complete window and door packages in a short period of time. The restorations were getting us in the door for the replacements, and we'd get calls for replacements that led to opportunities for restoration. So both the, the front of the house was feeding the back of the house and vice versa. It was, it was, the services were, were truly complimentary. And I found that our installer could pretty much handle anything I could throw at him. So our main limiting factor was really just my ability to learn how to sell and measure and price these new products that each had their own learning curve. I uh, 
I quickly found that the best sales approach was to just go in with the intention to make friends and educate my customers, hopefully teaching them something new, and then letting them make good educated decisions for themselves. Enjoy would always do good follow-up as well to make sure they didn't have any additional questions come up after the appointment. But after two and a half years of steady growth in all directions, adding infrastructure, rounding out our business model with these complimentary services, expanding our marketing into the digital realm, uh, we, we really began to feel the urge to begin expanding out of our then service area. And we were used to getting calls from outside the area, people that would hear about what we were doing. Um, we, we actually attempted to put a manager in place at one point in a market about an hour south of us. And it just really wasn't working out as we had hoped. It was requiring far too much micromanagement on our part, and it, it just didn't seem duplicatable without having dedicated owners like us behind the wheel. And that's when we first learned about franchising, and I give full credit to my wife, Joy, for bringing the idea up. She was reading Howard Schultz's book at the time um, about the Starbucks story. It was called Pour Your Heart Into It. And in the book, he had a segment that discussed Starbucks's growth plan and how rather than franchising, he spent several years raising millions of dollars to do a big corporate rollout. And she shared this with me and how we talked about the many benefits of franchising, such as utilizing your proven business model, but with other people's efforts and their growth capital and uh, their energy to grow your brand. And um, I knew very well the power of duplication from my uh, early days in MLM. And I'd basically been selling opportunities to people my entire working career up until we started Glass Wizard. So franchising just seemed like a perfect match given our history and growth plans, which now we saw the potential of going nationwide. Plus, we didn't have years of time to raise millions of dollars. We really needed to grow this thing now and help people save their foggy windows all across America. So um, we imagined that, uh, you know, as we were thinking about franchising, we were just imagining what we could have done if we had had somebody to teach us everything that we did right and help us avoid all the costly mistakes we made along the way. And we knew there had to be other people just like us who could recognize the opportunity like we did to bring foggy window repair to their market uh, where it isn't currently offered. And um, so we, we knew franchising, you know, was a, was a, uh, could be the vehicle for us. But even with a growing business, we, we needed to raise some additional uh, capital to fund our expansion into franchising. And we actually went back to our microvent manufacturer who was witnessing our growth firsthand, <clears throat> also had a vested inter interest in our success to sell more vents, and we secured a $50,000 investment from him for a small part of our future franchise company, which we then worked with a well-known franchise preparation company to get our documents in hand and officially launched our program in January of 2007. Um, but during the course of our strategic planning, we found that our uh, name, Glass Wizard, was already trademarked. So we racked our brains for weeks trying to come up with a suitable new name that embodied the essence of our business. And uh, I swear it was in my sleep that the glass guru came to me. I, I woke Joy up one night and told her that I had it. And, uh, of course, I had to remind her the next morning. And after a, a quick check on USPTO.gov, we found that the name wasn't protected. So uh, it stuck, and forever since, we've been known as the Glass Guru. And we really believe it is the perfect name to embody our brand. Uh, as Paul said at the, at the opener, it, uh, a guru is a, a teacher and a master at something. And uh, we still teach the same sales approach that worked for me when I was doing estimates, which is simply going in and educating our customers with the understanding that an informed customer can make a uh, a good choice for themselves without us having to sell them. 
So, and uh, I see, yeah, I see that your your offerings come in various sizes with franchise fees that begin as low as nineteen five and go all the way to fifty two five. I can see on your website that one of the differences between the nineteen and the fifty two is obviously territory size. So, mm-hmm. can you spend a minute ta- talking a little bit about the kinds of offerings that you make? Are these all to a single unit person who's going to develop an area or are you doing multi-unit? Or are you doing area development? Tell us about the offerings. Um, well, it's uh, most of our franchisees uh, start the business the same way, uh, although the franchise fee varies, varies by population. Um, the basic requirements for, for startup are uh, pretty much the same. Um, most of our owners start with uh, two vehicles, um, one for themselves to do estimates, uh, another vehicle uh, for their installer. Um, they start with a single employee, just that installer, and uh, a shop, which generally runs uh, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 square feet uh, that we help, that we uh, provide them assistance in, in locating. Uh, but all in all, the typical startup cost all in is uh, still less than $100,000 in most cases, which is something that we're regularly recognized for an entrepreneur's list of top franchises for less than 100000 And you're not necessarily looking for the glaziers or the craftspeople. So tell us a little bit about the profile of who it is that you see as having all the attributes that would lead to success in your business. Sure. Um, while a handful of our owners did have industry experience, the majority of them, like me, didn't. Um, I don't think any of them woke up one day and, and thought, you know, I really just want to own my own glass and window shop. Most of our owners are entrepreneurs like myself who at some point experienced foggy windows as a pain point in their life and, uh, like me, saw the incredible opportunity to be the first one in their market offering a, a new cutting-edge repair solution, and that's what got them looking at the model. In fact, some of them didn't even know they were looking for a business until they came across our solution and just were that attracted to what we're, what we're doing. But as far as our ideal candidate profile, um, we've had great success with former business owners as well as uh, people with corporate experience. Um, our top performer out of our new franchisee class of 2017 actually retired after 20 years at Cisco Systems right there in Atlanta. And uh, he now owns our Johns Creek location there on the north side and is um, just thriving in our system. He, he broke every first-year performance record we had. And we've also had great success with veterans. We've been recognized again this year by Franchise Business Review as a top um, franchise for vets. We give a 10% discount incentive for anyone from the U.S. or Canada who has served time in the armed forces. And while our uh, service differentiators absolutely give us a, a nice competitive market advantage with our consumers, I think the biggest overall advantage we have in the marketplace is, is honestly just who our owners are compared to the typical uh, trades-minded glass shop owners that they compete with. Um, even, even in a very trade-oriented business such as ours, it's just amazing to see how fast business-minded people can gobble up market share when you put them in head-to-head competition with your typical glass shops out there in, in an industry with very few entry points, we've really created a unique access point for business people and the training and systems to help them thrive in what we think is the ultimate sleeper industry, but in a good way. 
definitely in a good way. So uh, tell us a little bit about what the day in the life of a franchisee um, is like with the Glass Guru, because a lot of individuals might think, um, you know, that it is about, you know, replacing glass and, and what have you and think that, well, maybe this is not for me. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about the day in the life so our listeners could understand a little bit more of it from the from the business standpoint. Sure. Um, most of our owners spend uh, the first few years in the business as the primary estimator, which we get them prepared for prior and during, during the initial franchise training as well as through ongoing technical training and education. Um, most of them, I'd say, probably spend an hour or two at their shops each day, usually at the beginning and the end of the day, um, while spending the bulk of their time out doing estimates, probably six to eight per day on average, where essentially they're going into people's homes or businesses and shaking hands with customers and just giving them options and pricing. Um, from the beginning, we, we help our franchise owners look and operate like, they, like they're seasoned professionals. Um, you'd never know that somebody just you know, literally started this business and graduated our initial franchise training when, when they go into a home in their first few weeks in business. Our, our branding and marketing designs are, are really eye-catching and uber-professional, and we manage all their digital marketing for them as well, which can practically be a full-time job for small businesses these days. So our owners can spend all that time on productive activities. Um, we have a great digital field software solution that helps them track all their customers and scheduling and estimates and work orders and invoicing. And we're one of the very few brands in the entire industry now doing estimates on a tablet device, which is also uh, super professional and eliminates issues with people trying to read chicken scratch handwriting and such. Our estimates are actually, our estimates are emailed instantly to our customers through the system and often right when we're there in their house with, still with the customer. And uh, But ultimately, with our owners, our, our ultimate goal is to um, help all of them start small um, and ultimately build up to the point where, after learning the business at the ground level, they can uh, grow their team and hire a professional estimator to, to replace themselves in the field, freeing them up to focus full-time on uh, business-building activities like managing their infrastructure, executing their local marketing strategy, as well as duplicating their success, opening up uh, new locations in neighboring territories, which we've already had several of our owners do. So, you know, the uh, the glass and window industry uh, was pretty much um, a closed industry uh, to anybody with the exception of, you know, tradespeople, family businesses, and, and truly the, uh, the glass guru was a disruptor in all of that, and your growth uh, obviously is starting to speak for itself. Uh, currently, um, or at least the last information I had, you're over 87 locations, uh, still looking for more. Tell us what you project your growth over the next couple of years. Well, we, uh, you're right. We have 80, 87 active locations currently. Four of those are actually up in Canada. Um, we, we feel great how the uh, original technology came out of Canada, but We've uh, now packaged it with a, uh, a real business model and sent it back up north uh, where we're growing as well. But we expect to eclipse the 100-location milestone hopefully sometime in the next 12 months. Uh, we've got real strong unit economics. Uh, we had a 10.5% average growth year over year last year. Um, 
at the store level and a whopping 62% growth for our top 10%, which is just incredible. And we, we only expect that trend line to continue. Um, I really have to give credit to our franchise owners for seeing the potential of the model and believing in themselves as well as us to make this the vehicle to achieve their own dreams, especially those who came on in the first few years when we, we didn't have a whole lot to offer other than our vision for where we're going and, and joy in my personal support. But we've attracted so many great individuals into the Glass Guru family over the last few years and actually since inception, the last 11 years, it's just truly humbling to lead such a dedicated group of people. We've also got some great people here at our headquarters. Um, over the last 11 years, as we've grown, um, we, we've absolutely um, uh, focused on um, putting the cart before the horse for the horse as far as our support team and um, really investing in our infrastructure ahead of our growth. A few years ago, we purchased and built out a new dedicated franchise headquarters down the road from our original location, which we still own. And this year alone, we added four more team members to our corporate team in the support and marketing departments. We have a total of 16 dedicated professionals now here at headquarters who each really share a, a passion for helping our owners achieve success. And uh, with hundreds of years of cumulative glass franchise marketing and general business experience amongst us, uh, we really now just have the infrastructure in place that Joy and I had always imagined having one day to support our owners and most of the people on our corporate team and everyone, in fact, who provides direct, direct franchise support has either previously owned their own franchise or business, and um, it's, it's really just a, a, a real pleasure to work every day with people who are entrepreneurs at heart like myself, but um, yet part of a, a corporate team where we have common goals and objectives. Uh, I definitely have to give you special. know one question. One question that I oh, had good. with respect to the consumer proposition: Is there a commercial component to your business model? There is. It is small. Um, we do like commercial work. We're typically not the company that that comes in and is uh, doing the new construction for for commercial properties. But we're often the company people call for, uh, you know, a, a piece of broken glass or missing screens or even if they've got failed windows at, at their commercial property. I'd say it probably represents 5 to 10% of our business on average. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, what, is the, what is the opportunity for current franchisees for multiple locations? And, and is there a, uh, an opportunity to even go into different cities, um, you know, in operating the uh, – you know, the business in two different cities. Is that is that something that's feasible? Oh, more than feasible. It's highly encouraged. And, and as I mentioned, we've had a, a number of owners already uh, take that step into multi-unit franchising. Um, every market really needs a glass guru. And um, although, you know, a lot of our services overlap with uh, other glass shops, uh, it's the uh, different it's the different things we do differently than uh, the norm that is really um, what you know makes the glass guru so unique and so special and um, we we still have many territories to fill uh, but one, one location at a time we're, we're bringing our cutting-edge glass solutions to America through um, what we consider a whole new breed of glass professionals and making a positive impact to people's pocketbooks and uh, the planet as well uh, and having fun in the process I didn't talk about the environmental impact on our, uh, for our uh, restoration process. 
every window we save is essentially uh, one less piece of glass going to the landfills, uh, but it really is uh, the energy in having to reproduce that glass and the savings of that energy, which is the big enviro environmental impact. And um, you know, we, we see that as just bonus, the fact that we can do what we do and have a positive impact on, our, on the planet at the same time while helping our customers save money. Our repair typically Damn, is half the cost we've got compared to, to replacement. Go ahead. We've got, to, uh, we've got to be mindful of the clock, and we don't want to <laughs> let the hour run out without giving, no you problem, guys. without giving you the opportunity to let our audience know where they may find you at upcoming trade shows or how they can get in touch directly with you and or others on your team to help them learn more about your opportunities. Sure. Well, the easiest way to learn about the Glass Guru is visiting our Franchise Opportunity website, www.theglassgurufranchise.com. We have a very simple discovery process that typically involves just a couple introductory calls, reviewing maps in the FTD, then visiting our headquarters to experience a, a day in the life of the Glass Guru and meet everybody on our corporate team, followed typically by some validation calls with our owners. But uh, some people go through the entire process in just a few weeks, and uh, we, we essentially just take it at, at people's own pace because we understand that some of our candidates are looking for something uh, right away while others might be planning on making a move down, further down the road. But in any case, we have a, a fully transparent, open-door approach, uh, very similar to how we work with our glass customers where we just uh, educate, give options, and allow people to make it informed decision for, decisions for themselves where we don't have to push for a hard sell. It's really all about just finding uh, great people that make a good fit for what we're doing. So once again, that's www.theglassgurufranchise.com for uh, information on our franchise opportunity. And for anybody out there hearing this that may have a need for our uh, services, uh, please visit our consumer website. That's www.theglassguru.com to find a Glass Guru location near you. Dan, we want to thank you for being our guest today. It's a load of information. I'm sure we could have easily run this into an hour and a half to two hours, uh, but if people <laughs> want to learn more, certainly they can get in touch with you. Great information, nice entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for being our guest today. Thanks so much, guys. I really, really enjoyed it and appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Well, Stan, uh, boy, your your dog didn't bark. The hour flew <laughs> Dan, by. Hour's not over and, yet. The uh, hour's not up. Yeah, the hour's <laughs> not ready yet. <laughs> well, I'm not going to bet you because I bet you might might pinch your dog or something to uh, just to make uh, it happen. Get a bark. Just no. a bet. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> well, we are uh, we are getting into the uh, the dog days of summer, so to speak. And you know, we're not even into summer yet. Although it was pretty hot in New York, it felt like summer. New York was warmer than Atlanta. I mean, I'm still sleeping with windows open. It's been beautiful here at night. Well, uh, let's see. Where are we at on the uh, on the travel tour? Um, you've got some uh, IFA boards coming up. There's the Consumer Marketing Conference, which I don't think I, – I know I won't be at, but it will be in your neck of the woods by your office, so – I'm sure you'll be visiting some franchise folks, and then it's uh, then it's July, and then uh, 
uh, Fagri event in August. Boy, then it really escalates from there. And already we're talking, we're already at the six-month mark of the year. Hey, man, the way I look at it, uh, this the first half of this year has just been a, a, a it's just been an incredible blur. But it's been great, Paul. Business is good. The spirit of franchising is alive. The job market and the economy are great. And you know anyone can say what they want about whatever they want politically. Um, to me, nothing succeeds like success. And so we are in a very successful first half of the year. And and my hope is is that the back half eclipses the first half and we just keep on going with our heads down and and uh, telling the story and living the dream and helping people find their way amen remember next week our guests are jeff strauss and dan remus the co-founders of wagon wash until then my name is paul segreto wishing you the best the very best in this great great thing we call franchising and franchise today Franchise pros Stand the man Paul Segretto Time to show you the way Of franchising today Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights the pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear is streaming in HD Fine-tuned both of your ears And standing Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth The sensible franchising Proving concepts to smart enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, franchise today.